And good evening and welcome to another edition of the Liam Davis Show here on Shoreditch Radio in London. I hope you've all had um, a really, really good week. I hope you've all managed to take advantage of, well, some better weather um, in London today. Um, I think since we were last talking to each other on the podcast last Thursday evening, uh, there's been a lot of bad weather in the London area um, and beyond, but I'm pleased to say that the weather has improved significantly today. So I hope you've all managed to get out and enjoy a little bit of the sunshine on what is now the 10th of August. Um, it's frightening how quick um, the time is flying, that we're well now deep into the eighth month of the year. Um, it's very much an education special on the programme this evening. Uh, two guests. Uh, later on in the programme, I'll be joined by Nick Saw. Nick, of course, has been a guest on this programme before. Nick is the executive head teacher of Harris Academy Tottenham and Harris Academy St John's Wood. I'm going to be talking a little bit to Nick about, of course, it's been A-level results day. Uh, today um, and lots of students of course have been receiving their results ahead of uh, hopefully in many cases going to university um, so we'll be talking to Nick um, a little bit more about that I know he's been in his schools today um, receiving those results and seeing his students um, so delighted to uh, speak to Nick as ever later on in the programme but my first guest uh, on the Liam Davis show this uh, Tuesday evening again somebody who's been on the programme before. Um, he was with us last around about a year ago. I think it was around this time last year, exactly this time last year um, in August. Um, so how quickly that year uh, flies, but it's always lovely to have him. And uh, um, it's going to be great because we're going to be speaking to him, not just about A-level results, but we're going to be speaking to him as well about um, a big change for him coming up um, ahead of the new academic year in September. But delighted to uh, welcome back to Shoreditch Radio, to the Liam Davis Show, to Alan Osborne. Alan, how are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. I'm, I'm just coming towards the end of isolation. So yeah, I was just going to say, I, 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 I was going to reference it, but then now you've mentioned it, I now know I am free to do so. So I should say, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, Alan was due... Uh, to come in to the studio this evening. Alan was due to come in um, for tonight's slot because, uh, uh, you know, it's just nice to do these things in person. But sadly, Alan got pinged. Um, we think it might have been a theatre trip. We're not sure. But Alan got pinged. And sadly, as a result of being pinged, Alan is speaking to us from his home. Um, but uh, never mind. It's uh, uh, you got to get a plus out of a minus, as they as they say. Um, so, Alan, I think a good place to start. We'll talk a bit more about your new school um, that you're going to be joining in September, and we'll talk about the A level results today as well. Um, but I should ask you because obviously it's been a year since you were last on the program, and it's probably been the toughest year in education for many professionals. Um, but those in the teaching profession, it's been particularly tough. Um, tell us a little bit about how your year as a head teacher has been and, and some of the, the real challenges that I imagine that have, have come this year. I mean, it, 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 on a personal and a professional level, I'm sure it's been, been really, really tough. Well, first of all, I had COVID. So um, trying to manage the school while you're uh, exceptionally ill is um, a, a very hard uh, process. But... Um, how I kind of encapsulate it, I do everything in metaphors, so rather than go on and on about all the downs about it, basically I envisaged it as, um, as two things. I did it with parents, I did it with the community, and I did it with the children. I said it was like having a hundred snow days in one day. So every day was like a snow day. So um, you had to make hundreds of decisions which you couldn't help anyone and then my final letter to parents uh, in July said I hope I was peanut butter in your household rather than marmite because again some days I was marmite some days I was peanut butter because some days I was sending children home and sometimes I was keeping children in parents didn't know whether they were coming or going so basically it's been like a whole year of snow days and marmite because um, I hate Marmite and I hate snow. Uh, so I've encapsulated it under those kind of two two metaphors, really. But uh, I want to flip the narrative. So I was in the summer flipping the narrative because I've, I've spent um, about three weeks now, I think, understanding what burnout might, must be like. Because normally it 
takes me about two or three days to get myself back together. I love the summer holidays. I can't wait to get out and start my running, um, go meet some friends on, on holiday. But for about three weeks, I absolutely was void of any thoughts or any... Uh, I just had no motivation to do anything. And when I spoke to colleagues, uh, fellow heads, they said that's what burnout is. Burnout means, you know, you've had a year of high anxiety, high red alert, and your body is now saying absolutely no more. You're not void of any more thoughts. You just need to shut down and protect yourself. So, um, yeah, it has been a, a year. It's been... Um, very tough, but again, what the beauty that's come out of it is the fact that the whole of the educational establishment have come together, um, we have um, supported each other, we've, uh, the, the level of camaraderie has been outstanding amongst uh, multi-academy trusts and support, um, there's been no division, there's been no kind of messiah complex where one trust is thinking they're better than another, mm. uh, um, it's actually brought the whole education system together. Uh, in spite or despite educational policy, which was something that actually I, I felt that we needed to do and actually gave me a, gr- a great deal of strength when I was dealing with some of the decisions we were making. So, yeah, mm. that's, it's, been a t- it's been a very tough year. When, when did you sort of, um, sort of make the decision then that it was, if you like, maybe the right time to... Because I know from speaking to you on the programme last year um, that... You know, you love the community. You've been a passionate, you know, advocate of the community of Ongar and the school and, and, and everything about it. And, 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 you know, no one has been, I can recall on this program, no one was its biggest advocate than you. When did you decide through the year? Was it, was it the experience of COVID and actually, do you know what, um, you know, life is for the living almost and you only live once that yeah. you, you sort of came to the decision that, do you know what, I, w- I would like a different challenge and maybe it is now the right moment to move on and seek that new challenge? There were three, mo- there were three points to this. And I, again, I was, I'm very authentic with the community and, and, and expert explaining my processes. Um, I'm still a very big advocate for Onga and I'll still be there championing the, the area and the schools um, and the, the beautiful trust that I work with. But Number one was the commute. Um, during COVID, the commute, I wasn't part of the community. I didn't know what it was going through. I felt totally alienated from it. And so I made the decision that I needed to work nearer to where, where I live for the future. Uh, the second thing was, obviously, I'm going through a, an adoption process. So, um, and to, to go through the final part of adoption, I needed to work closer to where I live. Mm. Quite heartbreaking and the third thing was um, it really showed me that the education system is broken um, now I was going to say the mainstream uh, system is broken I'm not going to state that I'm going to say the state system of GCSEs and A-levels is completely broken um, what we've put children through in the past uh, year yes it's been good for resilience it's been good we've all come through together it's been good that we've all got round and marked all these pieces of work but was it right was it the right thing to do morally uh, for those children? Yes, it was. But was it morally the right thing to do for, to put those children through that pressure, to put the teachers through that pressure? Not so sure. So, um, in fact, well, I'm, I'm totally sure it wasn't morally right to put teachers, because I obviously teach 34 year 11s myself. Um, so, and I didn't see anyone fighting the corner for the children. I saw no one fighting the corner for the, for the uh, staff. We just kind of endured the the kind of flick-flacking about uh, and making children do, I'd say, ten times the amount of work that they would have had to have done if they were to do a normal GCC or A-level exam. So when I talk about inflation, I'll talk about that in a minute. I find it so disgusting that the, uh, the clickbait journalists are using inflation when actually these children have worked ten times the amount of uh, output that they would have done if they had sat a GCC or A-level exam. That, that's under no dispute. No one in, in education that works in a school would ever dispute that. So I've been looking at um, d- different ways of still having an input in education without being part of that clog of a wheel that I don't thoroughly believe in anymore. Mm. Um, and 
I've been looking at kind of Mordorf uh, for a long, long time and been looking at this school, these schools, actually six of them, um, for many, many years, about five or six years, just waiting for this golden opportunity. The opportunity arose. I thought they wouldn't touch me with the barge pole because yeah. I, of, of um, you know, but actually, you know, I went through a rigorous interview process and actually our principles and my principles aligned totally to the, the, the vision of, of the, uh, the movement. So... Um, it's all just, all the stars aligned and yeah, it was COVID that really did push me and the adoption process that pushed me to make that final decision. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting uh, because I, as I said, I imagine for you it was a very, very tough decision because of how much you've invested in, in, in Onga and I can imagine that when you informed them that you were going, I imagine they were very upset to lose you and I imagine the staff and the students because I mean I'm going to talk about A-level results we will talk about A-level results and, and the impact of that shortly but even on days like today where you've had to obviously isolate because I mean it still must have been a huge wrench to fo- to make that decision to, to go and also to say goodbye to the kids and to the staff I dare say was I, I, knowing you as a person I can imagine that was a really tough moment it was, um, I don't deal with goodbyes very well anyway, so, um, it, uh, yeah, yeah, it was horrendous, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, things don't have to be goodbyes, you know, and, and actually, when you're welded into a small community, uh, children are children are children, and so um, the beauty now is actually I'm handing over a beautiful product to, to, to a new head, so uh, rather than going to an existing head, it's now going to a, 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 new, a brand new head teacher to really... Um, hone her skills with the most beautiful product so um, I feel like I'm handing over something very precious that she can really nurture but also I'm now going to be working in the community I live in yes. which I've been desperate to do now for 17, about 17 years I've been desperate now to, to input into a community that, that I live in um, so it's, even though it's a wrench and it was you know, a horrendous decision um, everyone fully understood it um, and the positivity I got uh, because I was very honest with the parents about the reasons why they totally understood and supported me and said, would I bring the little one in to come and visit? So, which I will do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just thinking then, so you've touched on it. Your new school is in Greenwich. Um, It's a Steiner school. Um, To those people who are only familiar with, if you want to call it the, uh, if you like, well-known education, Asian establishment, secondary, primary, academies, free school. Some people might not even necessarily understand what academies and free schools are, but we'll park that for the moment. But a Steiner school, tell us a little bit about what actually is a Steiner school. What does that mean? I know it's in Greenwich. Um, it's, the biggest, it's the biggest educational system in the world. Right. So, um, for example, Iceland, Finland, Australia, New Zealand, um, every country... Um, have Waldorf Steiner schools. Um, it's the biggest education system in Germany, um, and so actually, um, it's it's an international uh, education system. Um, and what it is is um, rather than creating age expectations, what it does is it creates an unhurried an unhurried learning journey, um, which is joy uh, based on joy, richness, independence, thought, uh, thoughtfulness, imagination, critical thinking. And it's not they don't do tests. Basically, um, the system that we've just been through this year, ironically, is what the system is in Steiner. They don't believe in uh, uh, constantly testing children, see how well they can retain information under 24 hours or in an hour. They uh, constantly assess and and look at children um, in their moment of stage of development. So actually, it's about creating contentment, it's creating a flexible curriculum. If a child isn't getting something, it doesn't just keep moving on because now they're in year eight or year nine. It's like we need to stop, we need to get them to get to understand something mm. um, before we move on. Because actually what we tend to do is like a, we're on a treadmill and if they haven't got it by year eight, then we just move on to year nine, even though they haven't got it, got a concept. Uh, and, and then hopefully by year 11, if they haven't got the concept, we then throw the, you know, do catch up and constant intervention in the hope that we catch them up. And actually what um, Steiner does is it constantly intervenes in their, in their 12 years of education. So actually it's 12 years of catch up, 12 years of intervention. 
Um, it's also about creating a sense of um, the arts, so the arts have a complete focus in the school. For example, every student in the school is part of the orchestra. So, um, and everyone takes part in the orchestra from the ages of four years old to 18. So they have a school orchestra and everyone's part of that. Everyone has to play an instrument. Everyone's part of the school play. Um, uh, everyone uh, goes on school trips, um, you know, real connection to nature, creates global citizenship, uh, global citizens, um, a real sense of protection. So it's a real kind of, uh, basically, I've, I've, I've called it education, so it is mainstream education. Nothing that's taught there is different to what's taught in state, but the high stakes is gone. So what's different, the only thing I think is majorly different is the high stakes for children, which then means their mental health is much uh, more, um, un, uh, much more kind of um, protected. So is that a case then where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, for example, students are, are held back, sort of thing, where it's a bit like, I know sometimes they do that in the United States, where, you know, you don't make the grade, you get held back a year, or, or what, is, is it a similar, is it, no, there's no holding back. Right. What is because there's no there's no KPIs for each year apart from when they do their national certificate to get into university. Gotcha. So what it does is it it, it allows uh, flexibility in the curriculum. So if they hadn't got a concept, they don't hold you back or move you forward. What they do is they just move the curriculum and say we're going to spend rather than six weeks on this. Right. Nine weeks on gotcha. this. Gotcha. So actually, because there isn't any age expectation, there's no holding back or putting people in different classes, all of that setting. Um, it's actually much more freer than that, mm. really. In terms of qualifications, is it a similar... Because obviously sometimes schools have different models. Some, you know, the international baccalaureate, for example, is, is the sort of qualification that they, they may follow, or GCSE and A-level. How is it looking in terms yeah. of your school? Is it is it... That method, or is it is it the IB method? Yeah, it's the IB. It's the IB method. So they'll do the national, uh, the New Zealand certificate. Yeah. So New, New Zealand certificate is the uh, is the biggest certificate in the whole world. Again, England can get be very parochial in your education system. We think ours is the only one. <laughs> but actually, all universities. I didn't know about this at all. But all universities, every single university, takes the uh, New Zealand certificate, um, which is uh, assessment by coursework, not by exam which is what we've done this year uh, in England, uh, is um, <laughs> basically what we've done this year is what, is, is what the system is. Um, and so uh, students go to university using the, the scoring system of the, um, the National Certificate of uh, New Zealand. I mean, I don't want to, obviously, you, meant, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I, I, I just want to revisit the point because maybe there was more you wanted to say about it. Is, is it. is it also been for you a little bit of disaffection with, uh, you kind of mentioned it, with the, the current system of the way we assess, the way we, the way we conduct exams, etc., that's led you sort of maybe to go down the route that you're, that you're going down, and, and perhaps... I don't know, I don't want to say that's a disaffection with the academy system or, or with whatever system, you know, what we what the main is and the national curriculum itself, um, because obviously academies don't even have to follow the national curriculum if they don't want to, but, but is it just that you've come to a point where, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I want to elaborate on it, where actually you just had enough of sort of the status quo and want to challenge it in a different method and yeah. and, and yeah. this is absolutely you, you think I, my, I might be wrong your belief is that this is very much the way forward and actually models I mean it's funny isn't it because I mean I know you're somebody who uses Twitter quite a bit um, pre-Covid the amount of people who were saying that we should get rid of GCSEs let's get rid of them bin them consign them to completely consign them to history and it's funny how in two years since then there's been so many people who are saying, I cannot wait for the proper GCSEs to come back because of tags, because of algorithms, because of this, because of that. And it's frightening now in education that things go in a cycle, but this cycle I get the impression that you don't feel is going to change anytime soon, hence the move to where you've gone to. 
I don't I think I, don't, I mean I've been looking at this for five years. I just thought um, I'm I'm an innovator and I want to I want to uh, promote this form of education because this education is looking at the child holistically, uh, and I think that the, the, what uh, the pandemic did is show that actually the child is the last person to be thought about. Um, and it's quite clear, isn't it? Because on third of January we were having exams, and on the fourth of January we weren't. Mm. So that that's half. That's that's you know that's uh, for those children that's half a million children. So for half a million children were doing one system on one day and another half a million children were doing another system the next day. So are they really being thought about? I'm not sure. So do I want to challenge the status quo? Do I want to stand up for for the child and what I believe in? Or do I want to just sit back and just think things are okay and be a, be someone that voices my dissent but nothing gets done about it? Well, actually, I'm, I'm someone that wants to try and do something about it in my own way. So. Um, this form of education with the arts, you know, minimising arts, which is going on in education at the moment, taking out, this is actually saying that the arts are the most important thing, you know, they're the things that bring harmony, energy and motivation and connected relationships to a school, not um, catch-up. Um, and that whole catch-up fiasco, I mean, that's just another nail in the, in, the, in the coffin of what is such a poor executed education policy at the moment. I don't think there is a policy. I think it's just uh, piecemeal, actually. And I, I feel people are, are being very honourable. We're lucky to work in our profession. We're lucky to be uh, fantastic professionals that do the best for children because... Without us popping it up at the moment, I'm not sure that it would have worked if we didn't have such committed mm. uh, people in this in this industry. Yet, yet the papers completely tore us to pieces. And actually, if it wasn't for our dedication and motivation and focus and uh, and vocation, th- this whole system would have failed. Mm. Talking of things, obviously, that very topical. Um, obviously, today the A level results were released. I know in your well, still current school, um, uh, till the end of the month anyway, um, the students would have received their A-level results today. Um, obviously, BTEC and other results were released today also. Um, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, I was, I was listening to another radio station earlier and there was um, somebody who works in business came on to the, this particular radio station and said... Well, do you know what? I'm not sure if I'd want to employ any of these people because they, they've never actually sat um, a proper exam. Um, and the presenter on, on this particular radio station absolutely castigated uh, this call. Uh, well, it wasn't actually a caller. It was somebody who works in business and said to them, well, what did you, ex- what, what, honestly, what did you expect when we've been in the middle of a pandemic. And this person said, well, I'm sorry, but they don't really know what pressure of exams are like. So, uh, you know, I can't really judge whether or not they are going to have the academic ability, proper academic ability, to work in my company. Now, um, we have seen today, and I know you will have been kept across this, uh, checking it today, of course, we have seen a number of, increased number of top grades um, awarded. Um, in private schools, which, I mean, doesn't really come as a massive shock, I think, to probably to many. Um, but there's also been lots of rhetoric around inflation in state schools as well, but I don't think there's been a proper analysis of done of that. But, uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on, 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 obviously, the system that we've had in place this summer, the TAGS uh, system? Um, I know you something you'd have been heavily involved in in your, in your school. Um, and also... Your, your thoughts on, on today's results? Yeah. Well, number one, you can't inflate a system where uh, there hasn't a system to compare it to. So always inflation rhetoric is just a load of uh, nonsense because you can't, you only can inflate something if there's a system to compare it to. And this is the first time this system has happened. It, we didn't do a system like this like last year. Mm. Um, they did the algorithm uh, thing. The second issue is that also at university, most university courses are uh, awarded and marked by the professor or the, the teacher, which is the same as we've done this year. So even at university, they use the same methods that we used in year 13. Um, and the other thing is, if a business is really judging an academic ability on whether a child can remember something in two hours, rather than the 
20,000 pieces of work they've done to show consistent application of processes of essays and mathematical uh, exam papers, then um, they've understood, uh, misunderstood what pressure means. For example, in maths, they would have done three exam papers in the A-level maths. But for us, we did, for evidence-based, they did nine. So actually, the academic ability and rigour was three times the amount than they would have got if they'd just done three exams. So, um, but again, all of this rhetoric is coming from people that don't work in schools or not from academia. So is anyone asking universities what they feel? No, because universities know that they do most of their assessment the way that we've assessed it this year. There's been, no, this is how universities assess. So um, this idea about exams is just, it's, it's so parochial, it's so backward thinking. Just that a, a child's worth is what they do in a hall under exam conditions in silence for two hours. Is that really worth 13 years of a child's education? Is that truly how we measure someone's academic prowess or artistic prowess? What they do in two hours rather than the thousands of hours they spend in education over 13 years. I find it very disrespectful of those children, actually. Very disrespectful. And uh, you can't inflate. So, that, you know, whoever's using the word inflation, they've misunderstood what the word means. You Just briefly before I sort of move on to the next point, but just talking about private schools, Alan, um, I mean, one of the things when we talk about exams and at GCSE also um, is... Obviously, if everyone is sitting the same exam paper, I guess it does create that that level of consistency in, in that everybody's doing the same thing, it's standardised. Obviously, with this system and the system at GCSE, and I think we're going to see more of this on Thursday, um, is we mentioned the grade inflation in, in private schools because, obviously, in terms of regulation, they are also regulated very differently also. So, I mean... To hear that there's a load of top grades in a private school, does that really come as a shock? Probably not, no. simply because no. actually, well, why wouldn't it? Because we have no idea how they were assessed. And also, I guess that's why, I mean, my view, I do agree with what you just said. I, I totally agree with what you just said. But I, that's why, I, in many respects, I do still still a big fan of GCSE because I do think at least it creates that standardised method of assessment until somebody tells me well actually do you know what this is a better method and maybe the IB is possibly um, it does create a standardised method but say for example this year I mean the beauty of being a head and also a teaching head is that I I taught the top step year 11 this year yeah and one of so one of the uh, so I teach English, so you need you know to make sure we're you know, across the country we're, we're being totally standardised and totally uh, transparent and really equal. The um, success criteria for a five was it's not a four and it's not as good as a six. That was it. <laughs> True. So, True. So actually, and that was the same in, in most subjects. So actually, it wasn't the schools. Uh, carrying out of the process it's what was given to us as the process so rather than thinking about what we did with the process why don't we go back a step and think about what we were given to work with as the process yeah absolutely I guess some some, some wise thoughts there Alan um, last question before I let you go um, as I've mentioned a lot of the talk you are obviously moving to a new school in September um I mean, what? I mean, in terms of the new academic year, there's a lot of hope that things are going to return back to some sort of normality after everything that we've done with the pandemic over the last eighteen months. But for you, moving into a new school, um, new sort of structure, if you like, um, as well. Um, what's your thoughts and hopes for? the new academic year I mean I guess in terms of your own planning in your new school I guess it's difficult because one you've got to get used to knowing that school and the and all the, the things about it and I guess planning for a year that probably where there's been bubble systems in that school that you, you your own school as well as your, your current and your new school um, and, and sort of working through that I mean what's some of your what's some of your mental audit thoughts and your, your hopes for for your new school well, the, the first of all is that I've never worked with, obviously, 
my school was from year one, um, from age one years old to eighteen. So I've got to get my head around, um, uh, you know, the whole the, the whole journey of the child. Yes. <laughs> to actually, you know, to how how to talk to a, a, a parent of a one year old. Uh, <laughs> Parent of an 18 year old. <laughs> That's, That's going to be quite a challenge, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> think, about, think about that. Absolutely. Also, um, I, I have made a decision myself that I'm going to be tackling um, the mental health and the mental, um, uh, rather than uh, mental ill health, I'm going to be looking at the mental health of children. So I'm going to be looking at, um, rather than thinking about what they have done, about thinking about what we can do to improve the system that we've got uh, already to a position where they can, can function and can uh, be able to be creating uh, connected relationships and friendships again, um, looking at kind of behaviour systems, because it, it behaviour isn't just about good behaviour and bad behaviour, it's about how to handwrite again, how to sit up at a table again, all of those connections, you know, all of those kind of routines and rituals I'm going to start really thinking about, rather than expecting them just to go back, back again. Because also, again, what some of your radio listeners might not realise is quite a lot of children weren't in school when we mm. left uh, only so actually some children were out of school for about three months even though you know the, the, uh, the government's priority was to get children back on the 8th of March it suddenly wasn't their priority in May, June and July when most children were out of school um, again so we've had, uh, you know we've had children uh, we worked out out of school for 20 weeks some of our children so it's not going to be just catching up on knowledge it's going to be catching up on routines and rituals how to um, manage their own health how to manage their own mental health how to manage triggers um, so putting in counselling systems putting in systems of protection um, those kind of systems we're going to be looking at rather than just saying we're going to just do catch up catch up catch up because actually I've got a feeling but we know there's going to be no money for catch up anyway so um I don't think that anyone knew what that catch-up was. We all put plans in, and suddenly now that's died a death. Mm. So um, I'm now being focused on the holistic nature of the child and the, the mental health of the child. Mm. Nervous? Uh, always. Um, I suffer from the imposter syndrome anyway, so... Um, uh, but I'm authentic, so the bits that I don't know, I'll ask for help, and the bits I do know, I'll shoot, shout from the rooftops. But um, I'm nervous, but it's beauty. You know, it's a lifestyle change. I'm going to be a dad for the first time this year, and also um, it's going to be a 10 minute journey to work rather than two hours. So um, it's going to, yeah, from four hours to 20 minutes. So it's going to be massive, massive change, but yeah, always nervous. Yeah, always nervous. <laughs> Well, listen, Alan, it's always lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks so much indeed for coming on the programme. It's been really lovely talking to you, and uh, uh, all the very best in your new school. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Cheers, thanks, Liam. Cheers, thank you very much. And that was Alan Osborne, the, uh, well, going to soon to be the new head of the school in in Greenwich, uh, Steiner School, uh, joining us here on the Liam Davis Show on Shoreditch Radio. And Alan Osborne leads me in very nicely to my next guest um, on the Liam Davis show here on Shoreditch Radio in London. Um, always a pleasure to have him back, particularly on the day, uh, a momentous day, if you like, in, in the world of education. Um, obviously, it's a big, big day, A-level, the release of A-level results and the release of BTEC results, particularly for students who are aiming to go to university. And if you've been looking at... Um, the Twitter feeds of Harris Academy Tottenham, Harris Academy St John's Wood, and the tweets, the retweets of uh, sore points. You'll, <laughs> you'll know <laughs> that Nick Saw is my next guest um, on the Liam Davis show. Uh, Nick, nice to see you as ever. Um, you've had a busy, all in all, actually, you've had quite quite a busy day, actually, haven't you? You've been in. I know you've been in both the schools that you're the head of, so it's 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 been it's been a busy one. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't quite get a hot air balloon from one to the other. I managed to drive across this time, but early doors at St John's Wood with uh, the Ham and High local newspaper, uh, meeting them at sort of 8am and, and getting them to interview some of the uh, children there who were yep. getting their results and getting the photographs out. And then a, a similar thing at uh, Tottenham. We've had um, a real increase in uh, medics uh, this year, entries. Yep. Um, and so 
I think newspapers quite interested in that, and as you can imagine, because of COVID, ch- young people have got quite interested in mm. you know clinical fields. Um, I think I think it's about nine percent nationally um, admission to medics courses from those who apply, and at Harris Federation, it's about twenty four percent who have got in who applied. Um, so Tottenham, Harris Tottenham's had its first medic get into um, university, get into Kings. And then St John's Wood's got two in, one to Imperial um, and one to King's there as well. So those people are very excited. But then you've got people applying to nursing and radiology and uh, health and social care courses and so on. So I think it's a really interesting landscape in terms of A-level-wise, what people have applied to, the shifts in courses Mm. um, and how successful uh, it's been. So it was very exciting this morning meeting young people who, you know, you know, in reality, have been very nervous in the last two years because they, you know, got lots of very diligent students, conscientious students who have not been able to see their teachers every day. Yeah. Um, and haven't really had a sense of how their results would be reached. They watched people a year group above them have lots of tears about the algorithm and lots <laughs> of grinding of teeth last year, and so it's very, very hard for them to get a sense of what was going to happen this year mm-hmm. as with teachers. So, no, it. it Fast and furious this morning, and then helping students get to universities in the afternoon. Mm. We'll talk. Na- we'll talk in a moment about your thoughts about the national picture, um, because obviously there's some interesting sort of analysis to come out of the national picture. But I suppose just just some further reflections on on your schools, particularly. Um, I mean, did you find that? I mean, just basing it on the national picture, did you find there were more students that got top grades compared to let's say last year with the I mean again I think Jeff Barton made the point today comparing it with last year is like comparing apples with oranges I think that's a fair point but based on sort of previous years did you find that there was more students who came out with with the top grades and I mean also with things like your BTEC results for example did you find that more and more of your students got the sort of topper grades with top. I'm not sure if there's such a word. Higher grades with um, with the BTEC results, and you mentioned there. I imagine there's been a lot of success stories with going on to uni. There's also been a few that where you could see some appeals coming up, and I mean that process. I was going to ask you know your thoughts on that as well, but let's sort of break that question into two. Um, let's deal first with the top grades scenario. Did you find there was more of that? with A-level and B, with BTEC? I think it's an interesting question Liv, about did we find because of course in reality the big thing I was waking up for yesterday was whether or not the exam boards will have shifted or changed any of our grades mm. but, and in the end they hadn't as they hadn't at St John's Wood or Tottenham or any school I know of um, I don't think any of the grades that were submitted in June. I think I read somewhere Nick that actually this year the exam boards have it's something like 1 in 10 if one in every ten schools, I think, that they were actually even checked. They were checked at all, yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. And that doesn't surprise me at all. So um, so there was no great surprise yesterday when we did the download. You know, there was no great, wow, these results are amazing. Yeah, because I guess you, I mean, for those people who might know a bit about education, of course, and I was, it was a question I was going to ask you later on, they were obviously all these assessments that were done were obviously marked internally yeah they were maybe externally moderated you know you'll have had your processes for that yeah probably across the trust i dare say um but of course they were marked internally so there was already some idea internally teachers knew students obviously didn't know but teachers knew what grades had been um awarded so i guess there wasn't that surprise but when you've looked at that comparison, I mean, this may have also come through your moderation of the tags. Have you noticed that there is more higher-end grades at both A-level and B-tech perhaps than two years ago when, you know, almost it was a normal summer? I think both schools mirror the um, process that's happened nationally, and you said we'll talk about that later, and I think it's a good place to go. But so... Um, both schools are, you know, high performing in terms of their results. Um, so, what people need to understand out there is, you know, students in the past who you might have four or five students who the data suggests that they might all four get an A star, mm. um, and the exam comes down, and that is the arbitrator for 
um, you know, whether all four get an A star. Yeah. But also at the same time, you have a comparative um, sort of judgment placed on those four chances of A stars by comparing their results to everybody and the sort of sense that you've got to have a limited number of A stars and A's and B's and all the rest of it. And so a surprise would happen because you as a teacher might think, oh, all four of those are potential A stars. Mm. But as a teacher this time round, you you can't make that judgment because actually to you, they are all A stars. Mm. So, I mean, A, there was no surprise and B, you know, one, one teachers could not be the arbiter of who, or, or who wasn't going to get that A star if you felt... Uh, with evidence and, and, as you say, with moderation there, that those people merited an A-star, um, then they were granted that award. So um, it's, a diff- it's a complex question to answer, really, I think, but you only have to look at the picture nationally, where you know, independent schools' grades have massively in- inflated yes. uh, from previous years, uh, not just last year, but the year before that as well. But it's a national picture, and you can't do the comparison between them because it's a completely different thing we're doing. Mm. Schools are just trying to say to universities, this is our best summation of this student. We think they can do well at chemistry at your university. We think they can do well at architecture at your university, whatever it happens to be. Um, and there's a measure of trust. You know, we've been through a traumatic process these last two years. Um, we can't compare for lots and lots of reasons, not least of which, you know, the students this year have not done the same content that the students previously have done. And maybe didn't have the, the time to do it either no. because of, of the loss of teaching. There's one supplementary question I just want to ask you because it was something that I asked Alan Osborne, who's the head at uh, Ongar Academy, because I think it's a good question to ask you as well. I was listening to uh, another radio station earlier today and there was a caller who's uh, a, a, somebody, a leader in business, who rang into this particular radio station and said, um, and actually, do you know what? I'm not going to necessarily employ this generation of, um, of students um, because actually, do you know what? They haven't gone through the sort of rigour in terms of examination um, that previous years have gone through. And actually, I'm not sure if they're going to have the skills for the, for the sort of cut and thrust, presumably of industry or probably of business industry, to be able to, to cope. Um, Alan Osborne was was fuming at such comments. I dare say you are probably somebody also that would would concur with that, Um, given that, you know, you and I were discussing this off-air, I suppose I can bring this in at this point, that actually the good thing about exams is that they do create this standardisation, and you just mentioned there about independent schools. Of course, it's no real shock to see that grades in independent schools have gone up because, again... The access to the ability to to you know assess on whatever basis that you wanted to assess, and obviously their regulation, if you like, is very different to the state sector. Um, what's your thoughts on on that comment from that business leader about employability of this generation, if you like? I don't know who it was, but it's um, an oft-repeated phrase from CEOs of. of um the CBI in business, I don't think I've known a time in 28 years of teaching where some business leader hasn't said that school leavers don't have the work employability skills that we need and why aren't they work ready, etc, etc, etc. It's a nice buzz phrase for them to use and it's complete rubbish and ridiculous. Um, the students this cycle, whether it's last year's or this year's or even you know next year when they've all, you know, year 10s as are and year 12s as are have already suffered as well. But they are more flexible, more aware, more intuitive. Um, you know, they've had to switch between face-to-face teaching and teaching in which uh, they've done it virtually. Um, I would say there's a resourcefulness about this generation that have gone through this cohort, have gone through. Uh, you know, we're talking about young people, um, you know, who are eight, eight in a family, in a two-bed house. Mm. We're talking about children who are going on to do um, subjects at universities. Um, fired up and inspired because you know for two out of the three years of their last year they've been homeless you know so there are young people out there suffering great hardship battling through it um, and studying in the local library until 10 at night because they don't have enough room in their house so that's you know 93% of the country go to state schools and you know the children have worked their socks off um, and deserve every chance they get 
Mm. Um, my only wish long term is that when some of our young people who we teach now and who are leaving now get to become a business leader, <laughs> they, they can say back. They can say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love young people and I want to give them a chance. <laughs> or you hope that that comment is not representative, and I should say of, of every business leader, but I did find it quite a, um, an interesting uh, comment. No, that, but I don't um, think it is really, because I mean, I think there's a number of strands coming out in uh, schools over the last four or five years, and one of them is uh, the strand about apprenticeships. Yes. Which is really connecting business with schools much more. And whether that's an apprenticeship at 16 or 18, um, that's getting more, much more um, high profile. Now. Mm. And so, for instance, in the Harris Federation, we've got about 35 students taking apprenticeships with um, Bank of America, KPMG, Bloomberg, um, Capgemini, uh, Schroders, UBS. And so these fantastic. corporates are doing really great and putting them on degree apprenticeships, master's level apprenticeships. Fantastic. So they get paid to learn, and our young people like that idea. I I think maybe, Nick, I don't know what you think. I I mean, we have created almost a generation in the last few years of everybody must go to university. So it really is refreshing, because not everybody has to go to university, but we maybe have created that notion in the last 15, 20 years probably. But... It's really refreshing to hear and see that because that's saying that actually, do you know what? There's a different route for you to go Absolutely. into employment and it just doesn't mean you have to go to university for the sake of going to it because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Because actually at the end, I don't even know what I want from it. Doing that route, at least, what you hope also with that, because sometimes as we know, and we know this from, um, from being in the education profession, teaching, as we know, is a degree-only profession. I don't know whether that will change in the next 20 years. I doubt it will, but it is refreshing to see that. I just hope that those people who go down that route are not looked upon in a lesser way than somebody who has got a degree because there should be, in the old money, it used to be called grandfather rights. Uh, but um, it, I just think there's got to be that level playing field. If you've worked your way up through that apprenticeship, I'm not saying it should be called a degree, but there should be some sort of equivalent qualification oh, to say okay. you've root that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're quite right, and the, but that is what you know, Schroders and others are doing, is that it is a degree apprenticeship, mm. and so they, they'll be So they get some sort of qualification at the end of it? No, they do, absolutely. So they just get paid to do a degree, essentially, and learn on the job. Um, and so, um, you know, we're great, grateful to places like KPMG um, and Capgemini uh, for their work, because it's a long process, you know, they sort of get lots of applicants... They interview them on um, virtually and on Zoom, uh, and then take them on. We're very grateful to those corporates to um, opening doors. Mm. Um, just thinking about the appeals, then Nick, because I'm sure this is something that's come up quite a bit in in your schools today. Uh, sadly, there will always be some students who perhaps are disappointed with their mark, um, their grade. Um, it could be detrimental between them going to the tr- their university choice and, and doing the degree that they want to do. Um, how was it this morning for you in your two schools in terms of, was there much talk of appeal? And I, I mean, there will be maybe some students, parents listening to this programme uh, this evening who maybe need some advice about where they go from here in terms of appealing. Now, where this becomes difficult, and again, your, your view on this and your analysis of this will be interesting um, is in terms of what, so obviously when in the old money, when you appealed the result, your paper was remarked now if not all schools have based their assessment, their final mark on, a, on an exam, let's say then appeals obviously become much harder, but I dare say perhaps probably in Harris, a lot of the assessment was probably around um exams or an assessment of some sort Um, what advice would you give to any parent or or student listening to this programme this evening around appeals and and obviously every school will have their own individual way of how you appeal but but in terms of the, the, the process and what you would say to them particularly around the way the evidence was chosen what what advice or thoughts have you got on that well first thing I say it's very limited how you can appeal um, and in the vast majority of cases, I wouldn't advise it. Um, you know, there are, 
it's all about a passport to the next level. You know, if you think about my um, two schools, St John's Wood and Tottenham, um, you've got there over 250, 300 students. We've not had a single appeal mm. today. Right, okay. Um, every one of those students just about has got into the university of their choice. That's fantastic. Um, or to their sort of insurance offer. So St John's Wood, about 120 students got their, you know, their first choice, eight or so got their insurance. Um, but the students, you know, were not in that vein because actually in reality the grounds for appeal are very narrow yeah. and your grade can also go up and down. So if you've got a place at university, go to it, go yeah. forth. Yeah. Um, maybe it means a, a shift or a change of um, course. Mm. You know, we had a student today who wanted to do law um, and they didn't get accepted for law, they got accepted for criminal justice. So, you know, you have a long conversation with them about whether they actually really, really wanted to do law, or was that the, you know, what was the purpose, what did they want to do eventually? Uh, and you have a very interesting, detailed conversation about the, the purpose of a law degree, how you can get onto law post, you know, straight degree. Um, and those young people leave, you know, Nottingham Trent happy with what they're doing. So, um, in reality, there was a lot of fear about appeals. And while the government didn't set up any contingency planning, schools <laughs> have had to do that. Yeah. So we've had reams and reams of contingency planning about appeals and dates set up and people put on duty and on call to, to run these. Um, but very happily, I mean, it, you know, I suppose in reality what Gavin Williamson did when he instructed Ofqual was to create a situation, create a policy in which there would be no complaints on the newspapers over the weekend. Yeah. And I don't think there will be, really. Um, there's been no algorithm to downgrade and shift and, and mould teachers' submitted grades. The, the grades that the teachers have submitted in good faith are the ones they've got. So, Would, would you expect, I mean, obviously this is a, 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 a week like no other previously because it obviously come Thursday now, the GCSE results are published. Yep. Um, would you expect there to be a little bit of a different, perhaps, um, perspective come Thursday when we move to the GCSE results in terms of, I mean, we've seen today, I mean, the national picture is that results are up. Yeah. Um, that's the national picture. Uh, the, the idea being probably we'll expect the same maybe on Thursday when you we will, move to the GCSE. Um, would you expect there to be more appeals perhaps then on Thursday and more, obviously there are more students doing GCSE. Would you expect across the country there to be a more complicated appeals procedure then in terms of appealing GCSE grades and 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 again I guess the same rhetoric that's been out wheeled out today in regards to the national picture and the increase and is that due to them being teacher assessed grades rather than the old uh, exam grades given by the exam boards previously? Do you, would you expect there to be similar rhetoric on Thursday when the GCSE results are published? There will, you know, we all love rhetoric, don't we? And it will be around in the air. Um, I mean, the point is, you know, teachers and there has been no um, suppression in any way of grading. So we talked about it before that every school in the country has given their grades, and where normally, you know, if that happened in coursework or whatever was submitted, um, or if you think of a system of examiners, the examiners don't give a grade. The official board examiners don't give a grade; they give yeah. a mark. Yeah. And then that is shaped to the expected bell curve of yeah. uh, results and grades, whereas that has not happened this time. So I absolutely expect there to be a rise in uh, grade nines, grade eights, grade sevens, and so on. What will happen, of course, I think probably, is that whereas UCAS is a very organised way of getting people to the next stage of their lives, going to university, and most of that has been sorted by mid-noon today, getting into a sixth form college, getting into your... Um, sort of sixth form of the school is a very messy procedure. Yes. And, you know, year 11 students have applied probably for eight or nine different colleges or, or sixth forms. And, you know, there is not a consistent way of those students getting in. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens Thursday, Friday and next week because... Mm. Um, you, you're expecting it to be a far more complicated process then in terms of the, admi the administration of it. I don't think it'll be complicated. It'll just be more protracted, I think, because... You know, families, and, and also, whereas at A-level, the students are a lot more aware and a lot more in charge of it, um, at GCSE, the parents are a lot more involved, and they may have their mm. sense that they want 
their child to go to a particular kind of sixth form and if they can't because the grades we've given them don't let them get there then there'll be a little bit of Barney there I imagine but um, and more appeals and more appeals but as I say at both schools plus across the whole northern quadrant of Harris we, we've had um, infinitesimal number of appeals mm. Would you expect there to be more appeals on, on Thursday even in the Harris schools, would you expect there to be... Well, there's more students to yeah. start with, so there's more chance of that. But I, you know, last year when the algorithm was around, we still only had two appeals in, in the north. So um, I don't think that's a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It'd be, be very interesting to see um, what becomes of that um, come, uh, come Thursday. Um, um, before, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned five minutes ago, it's a week like no other where both sets of results are published in the same week. Um, while I've got you here, because it'll probably be the last time potentially we have you on the programme before September, um, I mean, obviously, after this week, I dare say you'll be taking a little bit more time out. But um, are you looking forward to September and, and perhaps the return of, of some form of normality in terms of school and perhaps well obviously there'll be no bubbles and 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 we're now seeing that 16 and 17 year olds have got the opportunity to take the vaccine all of your schools well both of your schools nick of course have got a sixth form so that hopefully will help um in terms of your schools um but i mean do you feel that going into this academic year compared to this time last year there's a there's a, a degree of more a positive vibe rather than a long winter. I mean, one of the things that we spoke about off air was I think both of us hope that next summer exams will return um, to kind of standardise things. I mean, I don't know whether you think that will will happen. Gavin Williamson, I think, was on television this morning suggesting that potentially that teacher assessments might form some judgment next year possibly I guess a lot of that will depend on how the winter time goes and whether or not there is any more stoppages as it were I think a lot of this is winter dependent I would guess I guess so I can't see exams not being part of it and I guess some of that depends whether Kevin Williams is still in post <laughs> that's true as well but you know this you know, this has been a particularly gruelling two years for students for staff for head teachers, for school leaders, you know, it's been two years of non-stop, very few holidays, or holidays dominated by performing additionality, sort of track and trace, and making sure the orders of tests have come and PPE has come. So, you know, not just for students, but for the staff. And I say the, the staff have been phenomenal. They've been battling it through, making sure kids have got free school meals, packages in the post, and the computers in the post. Absolutely. Um, so it's been difficult. Um, but we've worked hard, and I think September comes with hope. You know, today when I went to the schools, I saw the desks out with uh, surnames A to C, surnames D to F laid out across the hall, and it felt like a normal moment. Yeah. And for the first time in 18 months, children, families hugged each other. Yeah, which of um, course last year on results day wasn't, you know, it was like... Um, came in, straight back outside, in, straight back outside. There was no lingering, there was no talking to teachers. It was basically in, out, in, out, wasn't oh, it? They were, they were handed their results in a, with a long stick. And, and out, <laughs> get, get out, yeah. <laughs> so it was, I mean, you know, for, in many ways, the first hugs I've seen, um, you know, in the people had, were still wearing masks. But So it was a joyful day. Good. Um, and I think we are obviously testing everybody when they arrive. Yes. Um, but I think we've got it beat and um, we know what we're doing and we know how, you know, on our snow day how to revert to virtual learning <laughs> Well somebody mentioned that it's the end of the snow day now isn't I it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's gone now because in future we'll be right pouring down with snow, it's on the ground log on, online teaching for the day, I mean that really this is one thing that Covid has changed is to a lot of teachers' sadness, I dare say, that is, and students as well. <laughs> well, look, we, um, you know, Harris Federation's had 41 kids get in to do medicine this year. We've had 38 students get to Oxford and Cambridge. And that is our mission, to help people get to the very best universities, to transform their lives, because huge numbers of our students are going to the university for the first time in their families. So uh, we're there as a disruptor, uh, to change uh, things 
and that's what's exciting. Uh, and while you know it's been odd and largely uplifting in a way, not to be so competitive, not to be looking at your partner schools across the way and thinking, you know, has their percentage beaten our percentage? Because we haven't done that this time. Um, but you know, a return to uh, consistency uh, towards examinations, which we can build up to and prepare young people for, um, and get them there. That would, you know, that's the work that we do. Absolutely. Well, listen, it's uh, lovely to ever as to see you and speak to you. Um, thank you so much for coming in on a, on a very busy day, I know, a very busy week. I know it's not going to stop for you because I know t- the rest of this week you're going to be working, um, I know, and tomorrow and Thursday I know we'll be particularly busy with GCSE results. So, uh, um, as ever, much appreciated. Thank you very much indeed to Nick and, of course, to Alan Osborne. Uh, that's it for the Liam Davis Show this Tuesday evening. Um, I am back on Thursday. Um, on the podcast show, uh, podcast show Thursday night. Uh, David Hatchett will be here, is the CEO of the AET, uh, the National Director of Secondary at the AET. He'll be with us on on Thursday talking about GCSE results. Andy Webster, who's head teacher of Parkview School in Haringey, will also be with us on the programme. So another big education special focusing on GCSE results on Thursday. That's it from me. I'll see you on Thursday night. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening. Bye bye. <laughs>